Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. In this particular series, Mark for More, we are stopping to pause and consider what that actually looks like. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bible with you, Ephesians chapter 1 so encouragingly speaks to believers. Chapter 1 verse 13, it says this, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with the seal that is the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. God has marked you for more. In fact, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this perfect trinity, God has determined and decided that in your life, his own mark and indication and seal would exist. This word in the Greek language is the word seal, and it's like a signet ring. It's like an indication of who it belongs to. So that seal is a mark of ownership. That seal is also a mark of authentication. God's saying that's good. And that seal is a mark or an indicator of God's future intention in your life. You need to know this. God has marked you for more. And that more is not only in heaven. That more is not only uh, uh, somewhere out there in eternity. I used to sort of think that the best thing about being in a relationship with Jesus was, was a promise of eternal life. But eternal life doesn't begin in the moment of death. It's not a post-life on earth thing. Eternal life begins in that moment of relationship. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you're, you're about to go from strength to strength and from glory to glory. God has marked you for more. Do you believe that? Come on, in the chat, I got to see you. Do you believe that? Do you know that in your heart of hearts? It's not just a a cognitive thing. Like, I I guess that could be true. It is absolutely true of everyone who is in Christ. And if you go on in Ephesians 1, it actually says that God's marked you for more wisdom. God's marked you for more vision. God's marked you for more hope. And God has marked your life in every way that you would continue to grow from strength to strength, from glory to glory. To glory. Let me let me read it to you right now. Ephesians chapter one. Not only wisdom, not only vision, not only hope, but also God's power. It says this, verse seventeen. I keep asking God, uh, the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know Him better. That He, uh, I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart, might be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope which to which you have been called. Uh, the glorious riches and the inheritance of the people of God. Verse, Verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And he seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion in every name that's invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age To come, if I don't stop here, I'll probably end up reading the whole book of Ephesians. So full of life. God's marked your life for more. More wisdom, more hope, more vision, more power, more. This is not the end for you. In fact, today I want to speak specifically about the reality that God has marked your life for more vision. If you're taking notes, why don't you write this down on your page or on your app, whatever you use. I can see clearly now. 
Come on, I can see clearly now. Imagine if I just started going off into the lyrics. I can see clearly now, the rain is gone. I can see all the obstacles in my way. The truth is God wants you to see more clearly, to have better vision for his purposes for your life. As we begin, let, let me turn to the book of 3 John. 3 John, uh, verse 2. There's no chapters in 3 John because it's all just one chapter. 3 John, verse 2, uh, in the New King James translation says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God has marked you for more vision. Now I say the word prosper and here's what takes place. Some people you get super excited, like that sounds good. And other people you get super uh, kind of intimidated or maybe a little bit of trepidation. You go, oh, I've heard some things about prosperity that make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Where exactly are you going with this? Well, when the Bible talks about prosperity, it's not just about Bentleys, okay? It's not just a, a, about you know, wearing Gucci. When the Bible talks about prosperity, the literal word, the Greek word, is uh, this word that means to be led in a direction that is easy. God wants to make your next steps easier. He wants to make your next steps more clarified. Or, in other words, he is directing you into more. God didn't just cry out to you and say, hey, you're saved now. Get yourself out of the situation you're in. Hey, I love you. You just need to know how much I love you. Now, now you're on your own. God actually wants to lead us in an easy way. Now, what happens is there's a lot of people who go, if that's true, I guess I should just find out what seems the easiest for me. Well, that's going to lead to destruction. The Bible says this is a way that feels right to us. It just leads to death. So this is not about trying to uh, live a life to the path of least resistance. This is trying to get some vision for our future, vision for our next steps, so that we can be assured as we go forward, walking in the way God is directing us, that we're walking in the right way. And John says this, that your whole life will prosper as your soul prospers. Today, I wanna speak into that vision. God wants you to walk into a new day where you say, I can actually see clearly now. Now what I'm gonna to attempt to do today, and I may fall incredibly short of it, but what I'm gonna to attempt to do is use our own physical vision as a bit of an illustration for what spiritual vision would look like. I feel quite comfortable with it in the fact that in that, that uh, little section of scripture right there in Ephesians chapter one, Paul did say, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So I think the illustration using our physical eyes is a pretty accurate one that we would have better vision, but not the eyes of our physical body, but it's actually the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Now, the reason I know I'm gonna fall short is that the human eye is incredibly uh, ornate, it's incredibly detailed. In fact, I read recently there are two million working parts within the human eye. And I'm not an ophthalmologist and I know very little about it, but what I know I'm gonna share. In fact, you know the human eye, uh, if healthy, is capable of detecting 10 million different colors. 10 million different colors. And someone out there, you go, my favorite color, green. No, 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 which green are we talking about there? There's 10 
million different degrees of the human eye, so uh, capable and perceptible, and yet somehow someone out there, you thought that dress was black and blue. I, I'm, I'm like a, a white and gold person when I saw that dress. You know the picture that was going around, or maybe the van shoes. I don't know why some people see gray and mint green and others see white and pink. And I know someone right now in the chat is gonna explain to me white balance and all those things. I get it, there are reasons beyond my, my present small understanding of vision. But I still think there are some, some illustrations we can draw from the eye. Do you know the muscles in your eye are the fastest moving muscles in your entire body? And uh, you and I, we blink about 4.2 million times per year. Come on, everyone right now, imagine if we just engage in a staring contest, we wouldn't know who won. But that's a, an incredible thing, the health of our eye and the way that our eyes Functions. You know, uh, when Paul's talking here and he says that I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, this word enlightened is the word photizo. It sounds kind of like photo. And for that, there is a reason. This is where we derive that same word. I am praying, he says, that you would have a more enlightened picture of your future. That you'd have a more enlightened photo of what God sees for your life. And you know, for a lot of us, when we're talking about vision, I think we tend to think about vision, uh, maybe let me do this as a moment. We think more of the vision of our life about this camera, not this camera. You know what I'm talking about? When we think about the vision of our life, we tend to think, who am I gonna be? How am I gonna develop? And less about where am I going and where has God placed me? We have this very selfie perspective of vision. I want more clarified vision for my life. How awesome am I going to be? How much money will I have? What will people say about me? What will people think about me? When in reality, I think the vision God has for your life is, is less self-focused and more about where he's positioning you. It's less about uh, you know perspective just on me. It's less of a mirror just to myself. It's more a call that we would reflect the light of Jesus for all to see, that we would have an outward perspective of God's vision for our life. So let me, uh, let me break this down into four pieces. Now, for sure, there's way more intricate steps to what makes vision work, but I, I think there's four sort of basic components that take place for us to be able to see. This is really simple stuff, like my kids you're watching right now, you, you probably learned this already in science. Really simple stuff. But the first thing that's required in order for vision to take place is light. There needs to be a source of light. Like, like no matter who you are, if there's no light, you can't see. Even animals that are nocturnal are just capable of reflecting uh, the light that is present in the night. But in perfect darkness, nobody can see. Sight is actually the ability of our eyes and our optic nerves to take in the light around us. And, and in fact, in scripture, over and over and over and over, God is described as the source of light. Look at this, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn there? 1 John chapter 1 and verse uh, 5. Speaking of God, it says this. I love this picture of what God is like and who he is. This is the message that we've heard from him and that we declare to you, God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. And it goes on to say this, that if we have fellowship with God, then we walk in the light. You know, in John 3 and 19, it says this, God, uh, Jesus is speaking. He's just spoken those 
famous words of John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And then he says this, here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, but mankind prefers the darkness. Mm, that's, hard. That's, that's hard for us to grapple with. If you want to have better vision of what God has for your future, then you need to understand where the light comes from. Where the source of light is, there's a lot of people who want better vision for their life and they think they're going to find it on Pinterest. There's a lot of people that want better vision for their life and they think they're going to find it on a reality TV show or a Forbes Top 30 Under 30 or a, a Fortune 500. They think they're going to find it by following Gary V on Twitter. They think somehow there's going to be this external source of light that gives me vision for my future. But God is the light of the world. And if you walk with him, you get fellowship with him. And if you walk in the light, you actually have the ability not to stumble. I love what it says in Psalm 27 and verse 1. It says, God is our light and our salvation. Jesus didn't just come to save you. He came to uh, invite you to walk into the light. And so if we're going to respond and get better vision for our future, a clearer photo, a clearer picture of where God is moving us and how God is on the move, if we're going to have better vision for our future, which by the way, the Bible says without vision, people perish. Pretty, uh, pretty heavy words right there that if we don't have vision and revelation for our future, we end up just living meh. I talk to people all the time, they're like, oh, I just don't know what I'm doing right now and I need to figure out my future and I need to figure out my next steps and so I'm reading more blogs and I'm journaling more and I'm doing things, all, all well and good. But are you actually positioning yourself in the light? Are you actually putting yourself in a place in the presence of God who is the source of light? Without light, you can't see. Without light, there is no vision. And so if we're gonna walk in the light, this has everything to do with our direction and our distance. Come on, check this out. Our direction and our distance. Right now, you can't see this. You have this beautiful shot that the team has just worked out. It's beautiful. I don't know about what's going on here, but the shot itself is real beautiful. In order to make this happen, there are different sources of light in the room. Now, this light right here, as I'm looking at you, there's a light looking back at me. If I was to turn the other way, I'm looking in the shadows. Come on, you understand that, right? That if we turn away from the light, all we see is shadow. And in fact, when we turn away from the light, it casts a big, nasty, ugly shadow. But when we turn our attention to the light, all we see is light. There's a lot of people that they step into relationship with Jesus and then they hear something about the Bible saying that God wants to prosper them and they, they give their attention, their direction to every other thing. I want to be prosperous like that person is. I'm going to give that my full attention instead of walking in the light. Now, this is not only about direction, but it's also about distance. The Bible says, draw near to God and God draws near to you. And so in order to get better vision or a better photo, the Bible says, a more enlightened eye of your heart, it's not just about pointing your life in the right direction, but having the focus to walk into closer distance to God. Draw near to God. I'm calling us right now as a church. If you want better vision for your future, 
If you want to understand that God's marked you for more, he's actually marked you for more vision, we need to draw nearer to God. We need to position ourselves in prayer, be in the word. We need to be in Christian community, have worship as part of our life, put ourselves in the right direction and in the the proper distance from God, drawing nearer to him. The Bible over and over and over again speaks to how near God wants to be to us. It describes God as knocking on the door of our heart and speaking our names. It describes God is this way, that he's so near. It's like the, the curvature of his arm is bent. He's like, come on, right here. This is where you belong. The Bible describes us this way in the book of Deuteronomy, that the ones that God loves, he positions between his shoulders. Think of that. God has you right here where you can feel his heartbeat, where you can hear his voice. The issue is never that, that God is backing off from you. It's only ever been in my life that I've found myself wandering from him. If you want better vision, it's about the direction you point your life and the distance that you have between you and God. Is that cool? Everyone got that? That's the first component of vision. Without light, there is no vision. Without light, it doesn't matter how much you strain your eyes, you will not see. Sometimes I walk into a room and one of my kids is reading a book and the lights are off. And like every parent throughout history, I'm like, you got to turn on a light. You can't read in the dark. It's bad for your eyes. And for some of us, that's just the way you're living. Oh, I got to get vision for my future. And you're squinting through life. And it's like God saying, hey, turn the lights up. Point yourself in the right direction. Don't don't turn your back on God and expect to get better vision for your life and return back. So many people are like, I just got to get my life in order, get my house in order, get my own affairs in order, and then I'm going to consider God. No, no, turn your attention to God. Give him your, uh, your direction, draw near and distance, get closer to the light. He's the light of the world. The second component of vision, again, making this super elementary. I'm no ophthalmologist, but the second uh, thing that needs to take place is a lens. It's not only a source of light, but it's actually a lens, a lens through which you see. A lens allows us to focus. A lens allows us to take in light and focus it in on one point. There's a lot of us, we get in environments of light, but we never actually close off some distractions. uh, Today, it's not only about the right direction and the right distance, it's also about eliminating distractions. The Bible says over and over and over again that we are called to fix our eyes on Jesus. Let me show you a few places. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says these words. I don't know about you. I go Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, first and second third. John, I got to repeat it back through. I don't have a Bible with those tabs. But hey, you're on a computer. You can get there quick. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Fix your thoughts. Fix your focus. Fix your attention on Jesus. Hebrews 12 and 2 says this, Fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. In Colossians chapter 3 
and verse 1. It's very similarly put. It says this, Colossians 3 and verse 1. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let me show you one more, Isaiah 26. We're going Old Testament here. Isaiah 26 in verse 3. I love this description. It says this, Isaiah 26 in verse 3. God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in him. Fixed steadfast, focused. God is calling you and I to eliminate distractions in our life and give him our attention. To allow the lens of our life to be focused right in on what God is speaking. God wants to give you better vision. You've been marked for more vision. He wants to show you what he's at work doing and the part that you play in it. But it's not just about putting yourself in the general direction where God is at work, but giving him your focus and your attention. So many people miss this because they never give God their attention. So many people miss this because they're so desperately distracted or the lens of their life has been shaped by past perspective. Some of us look through a lens of personal offense and everything we see is through that lens. Everyone's gonna hurt me. Everyone's gonna reject me. Everyone's gonna let me down. I'm so sorry for the things you've walked through, but that's not the way to view God. Some people, they view God only through their own uh, experience. Others, through the, the argumentative perspectives that they might find online. And they're looking with cynical, critical eyes to think, God's probably against me. He's probably not for me. He's probably mad at me. He's probably angry at me. Some of us, we look through a worldview-lensed perspective that's only what we see in the media or only what we see perpetuated through pop culture. But the Bible is calling you and I to fix our eyes on Jesus, to give a better focus, a more focused lens so that the light of what is taking place in the kingdom of God is actually focused in on how that plays a part in us. I don't know what you, did you ever have, did you ever have a camera like this? Camera like this, it's like one of those disposable ones that, oh, remember that sound? And it clicks in. There's a lot of you watching here. I have no idea what's in your hand. It looks like a piece of junk. Well, well, this is actually how we used to take pictures when I was young. This was the form of art. This one even has, this is high class. It's even got a flash right here. And you'd look through this tiny little lens. And that's the picture you'd take. And, and this lens is really set. It's only like the direction matters a lot, but that's, that's the best picture you're going to get. And then on to the next. For some of us, that's the best picture we've ever really gotten of what God is at work doing. But in the meantime, he's saying, I want to give you better vision. I want to give you the ability to actually focus in more. I want, I want to give you the ability to see more clearly what I'm doing. And, uh, Man, this one, it doesn't have that incredible clicking noise, but it does take a better photo. You know, interestingly, I was with a friend the other day who's a photographer and they take beautiful pictures. And, and it's funny, they're taking a picture of a person, the person looked and said, wow, 
that's a nice camera. And yeah, I suppose it's a nice camera, but it's not the, the camera that's so important, it's the operator. It's the fact that this thing has knobs all over the place and more buttons than you know what to do with it and some dials and some levers. And in the right hands, this can take an invaluable piece of art and in the wrong hands, well, it's just blown out. You see, here's the thing, what, what's the difference? It's an understanding of how this lens works, of how to get better focus. God is actually saying to you, there's this incredible tool in your hand, learn how to use it. There's this incredible tool, you can actually speak to Jesus and when you do, he hears. When you read the Bible, do you know the author of the Bible is in the room with you, the Holy Spirit? He's marked your life for more and he will guide you into all truth. The Bible says he will illuminate what God is saying. So let's get better at focusing. Let's get a better lens so that we can see what God is at work doing. And let's just not assume of someone else like, oh, they've just had an easier point of view. That's why they've got more vision. No, they have learned how to use the tool that they've been given. They've learned what this all does. And the same is true with scripture. When you learn what this thing does, when you learn what the word of God means and begin to apply it to your life, oh man, God's marked you for more. He wants to give you a clearer picture. So it's about direction and distance for sure. It's also about distraction. Next, I wanna speak about this again. Man, I'm so making the eye elementary, two million parts. I'm only bringing out about four things about vision today. But the third thing that is required for vision to take place is reflection. It's reflection. This lens is only as effective as the sensor that it's reflecting onto. Like a lens separated from the sensor is just a piece of glass. You actually need to allow light in, focused correctly, and then reflect it upon. And you know, that's true in our eye, it's, it's like our retina. It actually takes in light, focus through the lens, and then it's reflected upon. For you and I, the same is true that God is the light of the world. He has given us the ability to see him through a clear lens, but the requirement on you and I is that we would actually reflect upon him. It's no surprise that the mission statement for Vivid Church is that we'd reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. We are called to reflect the light. So we've put ourselves in the right direction and got closer in distance. We are learning to eliminate distractions and give God our focus and our attention. But we also need to reflect upon him. We also need to give God our, our ongoing attention. Do you know this? You, you probably do that when uh, any image enters into your eye, so you and I are taking in light and we translate it as 10 million different colors and it's coming into our eye and we're the best at seeing what we're focused on even though there are some other things around as you know, your peripheral vision. But the image that's coming into your eye and reflecting on your retina actually reflects upside down. And it's through the process of reflection that our mind translates what is taking place upside down and causes it to be understood right side up. Haven't you found this to be true in your walk of faith as well? That sometimes you look and you go, well, that can't be what God is doing. That's so upside down. Isn't that kind of the way Jesus talked though? He said, in the kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, that's, that, that doesn't make sense. It's sort of upside down. Isn't this true that Jesus, he said, oh, you heard, don't murder. Here's what I meant. Like you're looking at it upside down. What I meant is don't hate. What I meant is I don't want to have anger in your heart towards people. You got to reflect on this a little bit if that's going to make sense to you. 
You've looked at it just at face value and assumed God's priorities are upside down. But the truth is that, that you need to give it some time of reflection. This is about determination. Reflection to me is all about determination. It's in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it says that we all, with unveiled faces, reflect the light of Jesus with ever increasing glory. The Bible says that as you look to Jesus, you begin to look more like Jesus. As you reflect upon the life of Jesus, your life actually begins to look similar to his, your values similar to his, your heart moved by the same things that his heart is moved by. This is about determination. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 8 says this. This is a message of determination. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Reflect on the right stuff. This is not just about giving focus for a moment. Man, our eyes are the quickest moving muscles in our body. We can take something in, see it, and feel like we remember it. Did you ever play a game where maybe some items in your house were brought out and you looked at them for a while, tried to memorize them, and then they were taken away and you had to try to write down what, what was on there? I don't know if you ever played a game like that. I remember playing that when I was younger and you're trying to remember it all and and get some focus. Maybe you've, you've crammed for an exam and you've thought, I will just photographically remember everything written on this page. I'll just try to take it all in and you're focused, but without reflection, it never actually affects your heart. I fear that some of us have shown more determination to find where Waldo is than to actually find what God is doing. Maybe we've given more attention to the menial things. Maybe we've given more attention to, here's two pictures, there's five differences in between, find them. And, and we, we saw somewhere on Facebook, only the, the super intelligent can find this, only the top 2%. And so we think, I got to prove my ability and see if I can see the differences. And we show determination for things that don't matter. But real life change is when we say, I'm going to choose to think on what's pure and noble and lovely and admirable. I'm going to give my best thought, my best attention, not just focus for a second, but ongoing determined reflection so that my life might start looking more like this. Vision takes place when light enters the lens and reflects upon the retina. It's when the light of what God is about to do is given full attention without any other distractions and then we reflect upon what this means for us. And then lastly, fourthly, that actually has to cause us to do something. There's gotta be a response. Imagine with me if, if I had a ball in my hand and I was going to throw a ball to you and so you, you directed yourself right so you could see it and you focused accurately so you knew when it was coming and you were reflecting upon its trajectory and its speed and its angle, but then you still let it hit you right in the face. I would assume, did you not see that? Did you not, sorry, did you not see that coming? You're like, dude, you just hit me in the face. Like, but yeah, you saw it. You were facing me, you were focused on it, you had your hands up, you just let it hit you. And for, for so many of us, like God's doing things and you see what he's doing and you're reflecting upon it, but it still isn't changing the way you live your life. Good vision is proven by good response. 
If we, we really do believe that God's marked us for more vision, more clarified vision, where he sees us in our future, in the kingdom of God, and all that he's doing in our world around us, then we gotta do something with it. We gotta do something about it. Look what it says in James chapter one. I'm gonna conclude with this today. James chapter one. It says this, imagine, you know, we let in the light through the lens on the retina, but then the optic nerve never sends it to our brain. So we know some stuff's happening, but we do nothing with it. That'd be crazy. I read recently that your optic nerve actually moves at the speed of an ethernet connection, like unspeakable bits of information passed in an instant. Uh, James chapter one, look at this, starting at verse 22, it says, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who uh, hears the word, but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into this perfect law that gives freedom and continues to not forgetting it, but doing what it says, they will be blessed in what they do. Kind of sounds like prosper, doesn't it? The Bible has given us a pathway to prosperity, that our soul could prosper and the life that we're living could prosper. Every part of our life healthy as our soul gets healthier. How? By doing something with the vision God has given us. Don't merely log on to church and do nothing with it and deceive yourself. Don't merely show up to Hub and answer a few questions and do nothing with it and deceive yourself. Don't even do a devotional every day with, with discipline. If you're not gonna do what it says, you're deceiving yourself. The Bible says, look intently. That means proper direction, uh, lack of distraction, ongoing determination, but then do something. Do something with what God is revealing. And you say, well, what God's revealing is only my next step. Awesome. Then take your next step. Well, God hasn't shown me yet where I will be in 50 years, so I don't know what to do today. Well, well really? Really? If you think about what's good and lovely and pure and noble, you, you don't know what to do today? You really don't know the next step? I, I think so often we want God to give us a HD version of every step of our life instead of actually living it. The Bible actually is described this way, as a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. God is giving a lamp to your actual next step. He's giving you perspective for your next step. How do you grow into more vision? By taking step into what God has already begun to clarify. So take that step of boldness. Do something with what God has revealed. Well, I know God has called me to generosity, but I don't know how much money he's gonna give me yet. I don't know how hooked up, how rich I'm gonna be. So how do I know how generous to be? Friend, do something with what you got. Be generous with what you have right now. Well, it's not much. Cool, you're not responsible for what you don't have. Be generous with what you do have. Well, well, I don't know if God's gonna use my life effectively to reach millions yet, but do you have a neighbor? Reach out to your neighbor. Do you have a roommate? Love on your roommate. Come on, we gotta do something with what God is already revealing if we wanna walk into that more vision that he's marked us for. Now, if I was in a room and I didn't hear you talking right now, I would, I'd be willing to turn this whole thing back around and start at the beginning. I think this is so life-changing. We gotta do something with this. But I'm gonna trust right now that you're catching this. And I think the greatest thing you could do to show that would not be to just give it a thumbs up, although you should give it a thumbs up because it helps our algorithm. It's not just to leave a comment, although you should leave a comment because it does help us reach more and more people. It's not just to share this message, although I think that can be powerful. The most important thing you could do is start doing something with it. If you realize that you're not directing your attention to God, 
turn the perspective of your life. If you realize right now that you are becoming distracted with, with the resounding opinions of every other source in the world, get focused in on what God is saying. If you realize that you've given more determination to figure out where Waldo is than what the Holy Spirit is doing, then stop and reflect a little bit and ask the Holy Spirit what he means. He's in the room. He's marked your life. He's promised to give you more. And then Vivid Church, let's do something with it. Let's take a next step and actually do something with what God is calling us to. One little step after another little step until we find ourselves with a clearer picture of that future He's leading us into. Man, there's something beautiful about this shot, but I wanna, I wanna live in, in this shot. I wanna get a little bit closer to what God is doing. I wanna live that shot. Aren't you with me? I wanna know how this whole thing works so that I could say of my life, of the life of our church, of my family, I can see clearly now. I got some direction for my future. I can see more clarified picture of what God has for me. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.